0: everybody. Today is a fabulous day. Uh, I get a lot of Fun visiting with uh, folks on my podcast. My name is Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. We're here with the Energy News Beat, and I've got Richard Welch stopping by. He is a extraordinary guy. He is a believer in the Second Amendment and American all the way around. And we just had a great little chit chat. Richard ran for the uh, Texas Thirty-Eight District and had a slugfest with all these other people. Out out there. We're going to talk to Richard about how it is to run for office. Richard, thank you for stopping by today. Thanks for having me on. Boy, that was an open-ended like this. Thanks for having me on. That is the first time a politician has ever come forward. Thanks for having me Politicians are like preachers. I mean, you turn the pulpit over and they're two, three hours, right? Okay. So we're going to ask some questions. We're going to try to figure this out. And we're gonna say, what was it like? What a, tell us your background. Tell us why you decide, decided to run for Congress.
1: So I'm a veteran. You know, I'm I'm a, a cool. native born Texan. Pretty much right out of high school, I, I joined the army and, and I did my six and a half years and nice. and uh decided, you know, I wanted to to get out and explore other avenues of life. And that yeah. led me uh straight into the the chemical plants, uh, you know, right out here at the Houston Ship Channel. And uh nice. you know, I've I've been rocking steady ever since. I decided to run for Congress because I saw the First Amendment under attack, you right. know, during this. All this COVID crap, you know, is you got to stay indoors and people implementing curfews about when an American can go outside or not. You know, that's about as unpatriotic as you can get, you know, and and then they're, they're trying to tell us that we can't go to church and pray. And, and when you start seeing cops sitting out in the parking lots of churches monitoring, you know, how many people are going in and out or if they're right. even going in or out. You know, some somebody needs a spanking by the principal on that one because somebody has their priorities messed up. If they're going to tell a Baptist they can't go to church, you know, right. uh,
0: <laughs> no, my all the pastors and uh, my pastors always said I'm job security for him. I'm such a mess, so I I gotta go. I mean, it's just not optional. But there you no, go. No, I agree with you on that. So that you know, the the lockdowns didn't help any, and it seems like the states that had early Texas and Florida
1: survived financially better. Well, sure, sure. Um, they they tried to come and do a lot of these lockdowns, which are unconstitutional, and and these. Right vaccine mandates which are highly unconstitutional i can't believe anybody even put up with that in the great state of texas and and the the fact that that we had you know our own governor actually you know pushing this at the beginning is just such a travesty and it's it's such a letdown and and the people of texas deserve so much better right so as
0: we go through this tell us about and, and thank you for your service, by the way. Yay. I'd give you a hug, Yay. but we're on Zoom, <laughs> so it's kind of a Air hug. Zoom hug there. Thank you for your service. It is very much appreciated, and we got to thank our service members. And, and so when you sit back and go, what was it like when you were out running against the other, was it nine uh, folks in the runoff. Is that what it
1: was? Yeah, there was nine, uh, including myself. Wow. Tell us what you did on the road and how the whole runoff went. Well, speaking about, you know, thanking veterans, you know, boots for troops, <laughs> look them up. Very good outfit. If, if you want to help the, uh, you know, men and women in uniform around the world, you know, they send care packages and stuff out great outfit, you know, go, go, uh, nice. go to bootsfortroops.com and check them out. But um, the run was, uh, you know, quite the adventure and quite the learning experience. You know, uh, you got to see a lot of different conservative views, you know, from people running and you got to see a lot of people compromising what they started off saying they were going to run on versus what they ended up running on, you know, going with the the populist flow. It was very wild, very entertaining. Are you saying some people may have turned into rhinos during the road? Well, I, I think some people were rhinos in the beginning. And, <laughs> and when they started getting a lot of pushback, you know, they realized, hey, you know, that that's not really, you know, going to cut it here and that's not what the people want if you're going to run on a, a true grassroots foundation you know you're a lot of people quickly found themselves River, you know at the burning end of the stick you know yeah <laughs>
0: they, they were scooby <laughs> River,
1: yeah, but you know in the end the, the yeah. that's exactly what what happened you know a rhino got an office and you know the the big money behind these people out-of-state, out-of-districts, wow. you know, campaign donations from other PACs and and other legislators, you know, shoving money in their campaign account, people buying them, you know, 20-second ads on Fox News. And I saw one candidate, we did a uh, an endorsement Zoom meeting for the Houston Chronicle, and uh, one of the candidates that didn't even bother to show up, ended up getting the endorsement because he had the most amount of money. I mean, explain that to me. You know, th- this whole system is is really rigged. And, you know, right. if, if you don't have people that are willing to stand up and walk with you and say, hey, you know, this guy represents my values and right. I need to put I need to give this guy two to three hours a week of my t- time to really right. help him out. You know, no, no true grassroots conservative is going to stand a chance against, uh, you know, the big money neocons. Wow. You know, it's so sad that money has has really stepped into our
0: politics and. When uh, when you were talking just a second ago about your uh, expertise in the channels, uh, go back to your, or were you, uh, when you were working, what were you doing in the channels? Because that just kind of intrigued me there for a sec with your oil and gas experience. What were you doing in there?
1: Well, I started off uh, working maintenance, you know, as a boilermaker for uh, uh, one of our, our local, uh, you know, uh, sh- shutdown turnaround crew uh, companies out here. I'm not wow. gonna drop any names. But then, you know, I was lucky enough that I, I started taking the the mechanical aptitude tests for a lot of right. these refineries and and I ended up working for Cavestro. Uh so, you know, actually in operations, working for the facility, nice. making products, you know, shift work, holidays, Christmas, birthdays, right. the whole nine yards. And um I've kind of been on the operation side of things since then. Nice. Um, so you're, yeah, on the front,
0: front, you're on the front lines of the downstream and you understand what it takes in order to get all this stuff done,
1: correct? I mean, well, I'm not just downstream, uh, I've worked midstream and upstream as well. I've worked on nice. all, all three streams of, of the oil and gas industry.
0: Nice. So um, when you sit back and go, that's kind of that's real experience for somebody in Congress, because we're in an energy crisis right now. And somebody needs to understand in Congress, how in the heck do we get out
1: of this energy crisis? Well, so that's the other part of it, you know, is as you have a bunch of, you know, non-industry personnel, somebody that can't tell you where a master valve is out there on a frac site. You know, trying to regulate emissions and, and what they think is going on out there, right. you know. And, and, and you know, this whole Department of Environmental Justice is run by a bunch of social justice warriors that have, you know, they, they have no clue what goes on inside of these refineries or petrochemical plants or, you know, even these yep. midstream pipeline companies. They don't know. They don't bother to ask. I've tried talking with several of them and they just hang the phone up on you. You know, it's all about an agenda and, and what can we push and what can we pass? Wow.
0: You know, and, I, I got to uh, talk with some folks uh, uh, just recently and some of the ways that we can get around get back. And let me ask you this one, because this one really irritated. I got all worked up this morning when I saw this one. I already knew it, but it went seeing it in print again, that all of our oil that was released out of the SPR has been exporting to China. And it really Wait. didn't help all that much. It's so, it
1: going to Europe. Going to yeah, Europe. They're, there's, yeah, they're, they're selling it to Europe. Most of wow. the diesel, most of the diesel that's up there on the the northeast coast, right. they're selling they're selling all of our diesel over to Europe while prices are climbing here at home. And that's ridiculous. You know, it just doesn't make sense
0: because Europe. Is now got that serious problem with natural gas, you know, with Putin holding the the keys to the spigot, Nord Stream 1 is gonna shut down. And I've got a bet, in fact, I'm willing to take a bet with anybody, it may not come back online for months or if at all, because they're doing pipeline repairs right now, right? Right. Ah, How in the world are they gonna build their supplies back up during this problem, if that makes sense? You know, you so see you sit back and kind of go, so in getting ready for for our our stuff right now, Texas, we've got we got to build up our reserves again. How in the world are we gonna build up our reserves for winter when we're
1: doing that kind of crap? You know, that makes sense. <laughs> but they're gonna have to let us turn the spigot on, you know, they're right. gonna have to pull the gloves off. They're going to have to get rid of, I know they don't want to, and they're pushing all this green and they want to, you know, send the EPA to Texas to squeeze the neck a little bit harder, but in right. order to get through this, right? they're going to have to open it up. I mean, I, i I cannot believe that they are number one, they canceled permits in the Gulf. I mean, <laughs> I, I just, I cannot believe that at a time where, you know, yeah. the price per barrel, is the highest it's ever been. And they're wanting to limit the supply even more to drive the price up higher, right. you know, and, and everything they're doing. Now they cancel permits in the Atlantic and Pacific as well. Just last week they did it. Right. So, I mean, I don't know how much more they can actually suffocate the industry right. and still have a functioning society. Because it, it the, the make any next sense. problem, yeah, the next problem that we're going to have right. is lubricate lubricating oil. It's we're already in a shortage. The additives are in a shortage, wow. and we're using we're sending so much of our lubrication oil to be to be refined for gasoline wow. to just to try and get the price manageable. We're going to have a serious transportation problem here within the next sixty to ninety days, and it's no going to be worldwide. All
0: right, let me tie this to renewables because I read an article this morning. I got to fact check myself because I'm only 12 mentally. So, you know, you got, when you got to fact check yourself, it's really horrible. But on the windmills, they take, I think, 700 gallons or something like that. What quarts or gallons? 700. Right, 700 gallons. 700 gallons. Okay, I'm, I'm not smoking total crack then. So
1: it, it's 700 gallons, that's a lot of lubricants that has to be changed every few months sure it is and without the lubricating oils that are are going into these wind turbines you're not going to have them either wow because the main thing that's going to be affected is the trucking industry you know because yeah yeah i mean they they're burning through what is it uh i think it's uh 27 gallons a month is is uh the average 18 wheeler goes through right so uh yeah. I mean, think, think about that in, in terms this is of frightening,
0: yeah. you know, Richard, because uh, I, I was pulling, pulling my crayon out the other day and uh, I was sitting there writing down. We have Europe in a diesel crisis. Russia is selling more oil because of the sanctions. China is buying it. India is buying it. And then Iran has four refineries, just to your point has four refineries uh, that they are selling back to the U.S. And so we're selling ours up there. We're buying it from Iran, who hates us. I, I started kind of trying to figure out a price. I was coming up with $10 to $14 a gallon for diesel. I mean,
1: I oh, could D- see that D-
0: happening fairly soon.
1: Well, the the other part of that is is the Biden administration is wanting to lift sanctions on Iran, which right. they've already lifted some. Right. That's exactly why. Because they want to buy more. Iran just cut a deal with China for they're going to sell them crude oil at $40 under market price per barrel. $100 a barrel is what they just cut a a deal with China for. Right. So while we're sitting there giving all of our crude to Europe, Iran is uh, cutting China a deal. To send them all the crude. And while we're left hanging out in the wind and our strategic reserve is, is going dry. Well, I just also saw a little while
0: ago that, you know, Biden was begging Venezuela to try to start, but then Venezuela kicked in a new contract with Iran. And so we're going to see where that. Uh, Russian oil goes to Iran and then goes right
1: over to Venezuela or just goes straight to the U.S., you know. Right. But so this is what I don't understand. The Biden administration is preaching climate change and they right. want to send the, the EPA to Texas to to curb methane emissions. Why don't they just let us do it here at home? I mean, we're decades ahead of any other country as far as technology right. goes uh, into into drilling. We drill is safer and more economically responsible wow. than anywhere else in the world just because of technology. So the fact that they're they're trying to cut us off here at home and they're trying to buy oil from right. Iran, Venezuela and everywhere else they can right now, they're actually promoting more harm to the environment by, by doing that, by buying dirty oil. Let me ask you this, Richard, because
0: this is cool. I, I just love having our conversation here because we got all we got a whole gamut of stuff to talk about. And downstream, and I was taking a look. The last really big refinery that we had was back in 1977, and since then we've had we've had all these other small refineries come in. And the small refineries don't have the same regulations as the EPA and everything else, and so they can get away from the biofuels. And, and all of those other kind of things. So when we sit back and go, it, with a stroke of a pen, couldn't they go ahead and then allow? So let me back up. My phone was bothering me there for a sec. So when you, you take a look at biofuels, uh, last year, biofuel diesel was $2 a gallon more than just regular diesel without any biofuel. I mean, it was somewhere in that range. So if we okay. just use that as a ballpark, so we have so many of the smaller refineries, and if we allowed them to not mix it with biofuel, we could turn that biofuel and get two dollars a gallon from all the smaller refineries with a stroke of a pin because that's a regulation that's allowed. Doesn't that make sense? Well,
1: I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense. Uh, you know the of course, the the biofuels that they add in the diesel stretches it out. Um, it dilutes the diesel to a point to where it's right. not quite as effective and especially with this uh you know the the low sulfur diesel you know right. it, it really makes them more any ine- inefficient and and uh takes away a lot of the the horsepower from from the Diesels which you. you know that they they could be spending less fuel making more power and, and getting the same results but um the is reason why there hasn't
0: was- is ethanol? Sorry, sorry, Richard. is no, no, no. Okay. Is ethanol the same way? Because I've always hated ethanol. Uh, I mean, let's use corn for what corn should be used for. Uh, and I, I hate ethanol from a standpoint. I just soon have no ethanol. But that seems to me that ten percent. I mean, doesn't do much for cars.
1: Well, it really doesn't. And the whole ethanol is—it's not very healthy for engines either. They—they um, right. they hold a lot of water and—and and, you know. Uh, Erode a lot of the gaskets and plastics and and things that are in these these engines. I mean, you can barely keep a lawnmower running for more than a year and a half or two years, and you know you're having to replace carb gaskets and everything else on them. It just eats them up. You know that. Well, that's why a saying, lot of these. You know, I, I keep you know,
0: destroying lawnmowers, and she's like, uh.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the ethanol in those things. But the reason why there hasn't been a, another refinery since 1978 is because. Every time that we get these these uh, Democrat presidents in there, especially since Obama, you know, they they keep pushing to right. to move toward renewals. And right. so the the expansion for them uh, is they they don't see it as very profitable. So there's there's no reason for them to expand, you know, to make more gasoline when the government keeps coming down on the gasoline part of this with regulations and emissions. So it's really not profitable for them to keep doing it. And people are are screaming, you know, hey, it's a necessity. You know, you have to do this. Well, you know, people need to understand that these are private corporations and they're allowed to do whatever they want. You know, you can't make them do it.
0: I got so tickled when I was watching something the other day, and one of the Biden administration folks said, we're just going to tell everybody to cut their prices. I'm like, you're going to cut their prices at, at the gas station when they have skinny margins and they don't set the price, and the only way they make
1: money is by selling Twinkies. So that's another thing people don't realize. You know, I saw Biden, he, he threw out a tweet saying, you know, he's going to talk to the gas stations a uh, uh, about lowering the price, and I'm like, these yeah. guys make three cents a gallon. What is that going to do for you? You might save three dollars a year. You know, it's come on now. You know, people need to get realistic. But unfortunately, people, you know they they look to the president and, and they're they're taking what he says as as gospel truth. You right. know, and and it, and it's a it's a great disservice to the people that our top leadership can throw out such mis- misinformation. Right. And and start demonizing an entire industry on right. you know the principles and regulations that he is enacting himself. You know right. it, it's you know don't look at what I'm doing. You know here's the bad guy, even though I'm right. I'm putting him in the chokehold. You know they're well, now they're throwing us over. Richard, your your point with
0: uh, legislation through regulation was just fabulous
1: just a second ago.
0: Uh, did I talk like a Texan? Fabulous. Holy fabulous. God. Fabulous. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, everybody in Texas could understand what I just said, but legislation, you know, legislating through the regulations of the EPA, that uh, Supreme Court ruling has got to help, but it's still going to be slow walked. I mean, so, you know, by them being able to say – because they were – the EPA was coming into the Permian and trying to say we're going to shut it down because of uh, the the, the uh, air quality. You know, that's not going to do anything by shutting the, the Permian down, but at least you got a lawsuit that you can do that takes years.
1: Well, I mean, the only thing that they're going to do by uh, shutting down the Permian Basin is put the world in a gridlock as far as, uh, you know, crude oil goes, especially the American people, I mean – Right. Permian basin puts out a third of the oil for the United States every single day. And if that's you, think, if, you th- if you think oil is high now or the price at the pump is bad right now, right? You know if the Permian basin shut down, you know, we'd be looking at $9 a gallon overnight. And that's Easily. that's just plain and simple facts.
0: Oh yeah. Um, you know, so You, you (sighs) we could solve half of the world's problems today, just me and you. So, you know, you sit back and kind of go, there's got to be a way. And I I think educating folks and and taking a look around the room, I've seen this one before. I believe it was either Energy Strong or some of the other folks had great commercials and you start just disappearing things, everything that has oil uh, Mm -hmm. or natural gas and how you Right, you use it. Just starts evaporating and going away. We're going to come into a food crisis here, coming up quick because of the lack of fertilizer. Nat- natural gas is a huge uh, deliverance for the. I mean, uh, part of the whole process.
1: Sure it is. Sure it is. And and you know, as you know, I'm involved with the Oil and Gas Workers Association, and that's what we do. You know, we go around educating the public on just how much stuff is available to them, you know, by product of, you know, natural gas and, and crude oil. You know, I was talking with one lady and, and I I looked at her and, you know, she was like, we've got to do something, you know, oil and gas is has to be terminated. And I was like, do you realize that 95% of the stuff on your body right now is, is brought to you courtesy of the oil and gas association? I was like, you know, those nice shoes, your Victoria's Secret that you like to wear, all I that. makeup. <laughs> that's right. You know, it's everything on you right now is courtesy of, of oil and gas. So if you really and truly believe that right. in your heart that, you know, oil and gas is bad, I was like, you need to go start buying you some hemp bags and, and start wearing you some some of those Jesus sandals, you know, those Birkenstocks or something, but not the ones with the rubber sole, you know, you need to go all court back, you know, like so when they did in uh, NBC days.
0: Go get your sheep and put it in your yard. Okay. This morning, I saw a note as well too from the EU. They have now passed It, it is now legislation. This started a couple of years ago mm-hmm. that they said nuclear and natural gas are available for, they're considered in the renewable because they have to have them. So it is now legislation in the EU that you can use green money for natural gas and nuclear because they realize they can't get they can't get their the windmills and everything else to work without them. I think that I'm hoping it comes this way with the U.S. because it was in the Clean Air Act and a few others they snuck those two in there for available. Right. But where I'm going with this is um, is at least the EU is in such an energy crisis they realized that in Europe they need to approve natural gas legally. Boy, you should see the heads exploding today, Richard, on from all the
1: uh people trying to get rid of natural gas. They're going, "It's not legal." <laughs> right? Uh I've been, you know, I've been I've been seeing it all week. You know, the it's <laughs> it's one thing to try and push your your ideals in a forward direction. Right. You know, but you you can't just pump the brakes overnight. Right. You know, it's going to take a century. Before the technology is available to even make something like that happen. So what are you going to do? You're going to demonize the one thing, the one steady source of energy that you do have in the meantime and regulate and punish it and into submission. And then when everything else fails, of course, natural gas is the only thing that you're going to left half standing right now. And, you know, like California. Even they realize, you know, they're pumping out, uh, they're restarting all these coal factories and natural gas factories faster than you can shake a stick. Because yeah. all these Tesla owners, you know, they can't charge their car because of, of so many, so you know, rolling, rolling blackouts, outs, you know. <laughs> and it's, you know, these guys are are demonizing to the point where Chevron is coming to Texas because of, of so many regulations yeah. and taxes, you know, that that California is instilling. I mean, to the point to where Gavin Newsom is trying to recruit Floridians to come back, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the, the tide is turning. People are waking up and, and uh, yeah,
0: I, I saw yesterday and I think it was the Wall Street Journal it was a funny really a funny thing the top 3 that are being exited is New York, California and another uh, and Illinois those are the three losing 1.3 million have left in the last last bit leaving those states uh Florida's number 1 Texas and then another one uh, that's a a, a Republican run state And I I think it's funny that you have three of the biggest losers losing people and that they're all heading to folks where they're they're being run by Republican, mostly folks. And and I hope they
1: leave their voting because I don't want them in Texas. That's the key thing. You know, (laughs) they need to leave their their voting practices where they came from. And and they need to realize that, you know, they're coming to these places for a reason. Right. And and. And they're coming to red states because of the benefits. And these people need to understand that, you know, if they keep voting the way that they have, you know, they're going to turn their new home into their old home really quick. Yeah. So I I just want
0: to also take a sidestep and that is I don't really care what we use for power generation as long as we can get the lowest cost kilowatt per hour to all people across the world and through our disproportionately impacted communities with the least amount of impact on the environment and the least cost to the consumer okay i don't care if it's wind i don't care if it's solar i don't really care if it's nuclear nuclear is the number one i mean it is the best then you roll into natural gas and then you roll into the other ones and there's a time and a place for wind and solar and everything else. I don't want to say that it is not something we shouldn't do, but let the market decide. And if the market says your lowest cost kilowatt per hour is going to be
1: natural gas, let's use it because it's going to be the least impactful on the environment. So here's another thing. Solar will never be an option. <laughs> it, it, it just it will not be. So they, they made a big solar farm out in Egypt. Out in right. the middle of the desert. Biggest, I mean, this thing, I, I think it was It was. Uh, something like like 62 square miles of solar field or something. So, like that. Something like in the movie with Matthew McConaughey, uh, Sahara. Yeah, one of those post, post-apocalyptic shows, you know. Yeah. It changed the entire ecosystem around it to where trees and grass started growing in the middle of the desert. Wow. And it affected the environment so much. Right. That it started killing part of the Amazon because the Amazon depends on all the sand and nutrients from the Sahara to, to feed the, the rainforest. It actually started killing the rainforest.
0: Wait a minute. I'm, I'm a little bit. Yeah. You know, I actually went to Oklahoma State and I need crayons. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so are, are you an OU fan or uh, a, a Texan fan?
1: Which kind of? Well, of course, I'm a Texan fan. Uh, You notice I got I got Texas license plates. So, Richard, I you know, hey, I I moved. Yeah, but if I had to pick a college, you know, it's it's Texas Tech. You know, I I I root for them too,
0: except when they're playing OSU.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But so the
0: in the Sahara. I mean, in the um, yeah, up in the Sahara, the rainforest is down in South America. So you're saying the sand up in the Sahara is needed all the way down over here in the rainforest? Yep. Yep. No kidding.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, right. sir. But the the black from the solar, you know, it captures so much heat, right? And right. it and it started bringing in so much moisture that things started to actually grow where they haven't grown. And you know, away. almost yeah. a million years. So it's it's you know that's that's why they're scrapping it, and and they've already started tearing it down because of the the massive right. effects that it's it's had on two big ecological systems.
0: Last month, I saw something where I, I saw that there is now proof where wind offshore wind farms are changing the temperature on the coast when they're coming in because the wind is not coming in, cooling it as much, and there is some serious climate change because of the wind turbines. I sure,
1: I'm, I mean, these people can speculate all they want, you know, about the effects of methane. You know, I, I read a study the other day about an F-150 and a quarter horse. <laughs> they, they, they rode them each a mile, right? And you know what put out more emissions? The horse. <laughs> By 27 times the amount of methane, <laughs> I mean CO2 that came out from a horse than an F150. I mean, this we're going way beyond just cow farts now, and and oh yeah, you know whatever else uh, AOC is spitting out. But um, was, the I amount about of, make a joke, of joke, but I'll let you was, take the hit. <laughs> But yeah, I'll take the hit. I have no problem with that. But, you know, the amount of misinformation that is coming out from a lot of these people with big voices and a big audience, you know, and it's just really tragic that, a lot of people believe them without actually right. doing research their self. And then whenever if we're getting to the point to where, you know, say I was to, you know, uh, go back and find that article and put it out. Right. You would get more you would get more hate about it, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, this is this is obviously right wing talking point nonsense, right. you know. It, it's just—it's ridiculous I, at the amount of people that just dispute facts you, for. It. You
0: know, Richard, I finally—I finally made it to the big leagues when I start getting trolls all mad at me, and I'm like, yeah, finally, yeah. All right, that's, I have a, a goal, medal. and I keep—I set my bar on my podcast really low, and I want people to have fun. I mean, that's one of the biggest things, and I was. Fissing with you before we started kicking in, we're chit-chatting, and I was going to set the bar really low and say, hey, I want to make sure you're, this is the most fun podcast you've ever been on, but you got me because before I even started, you just cut me out at my knees. What was your most fun podcast?
1: A Chad Prather show. Uh, uh, if you can't have fun on his show, I mean, you're you're already six foot under pushing up daisies. I mean, oh, I know. I'm yeah.
0: really, I can't compete with Chad. I love Chad, man. He is such a good cat.
1: It was the, the guy is so funny. You know, uh, my sides were hurting and, and I actually, you know, was trying to take a deep breath real quick before I had to talk because I was just laughing so much. All right. So,
0: I, so am I a close second?
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, had me worry I mean, you're guys. you're right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was about to curl up in the field position, you know, because Chad beat me. I'm gonna tag him on this so that we can have fun picking on him. In fact, I'd love to have him on my podcast. We'll have to see if we can get him in here. Oh, there you go. So I uh, will use you as a excuse. Hey, Chad.
1: Hey, look, you know. Well, I don't know, you know how far that yeah. I don't know how far that's gonna get you. <laughs>
0: all right what's coming around the corner next for you richard you you've already you're out spreading the goodness of the oil and gas and the energy
1: space uh what's coming around the corner for you you know i'm just doing the education part uh with oil and gas workers association we have a couple of bills right now a couple of them in front of texas house and and uh Two of them. Well, one of them right now is definitely in front of the House of Representatives, and we're trying to get another one in there right now. So we're we're busy pushing legislation and and definitely education uh, to make, you know, to to get the government off of not only the American citizens neck, but but also the oil and gas industry, you know, so we can get back to doing what we do best and, you know, drilling, drilling.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I just really appreciate you stopped by the podcast. And if you're uh, folks over there and when you're working with them, if I can help in any way, let me
1: know. I'd sure love to help you out. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Hey, uh,
0: next time you stop by the podcast, you'll be a president. Oh, hey, there we go. Hey, can I be your uh, secretary of uh, energy?
1: <laughs> why not Come well, on. why not
0: hey all right well thank you very much we'll see you next time
1: thank you appreciate it america we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights life liberty and the pursuit of happiness